Yeah, good morning. I just want to double down on that just real briefly, but I just encourage you to be involved in a, in a group in that way in community. I've been in a life group this last summer, a uh, group of people meeting on the patio. We didn't know each other. A lot of lot didn't know each other at all beforehand. Different, some from different age groups, different, uh, even different countries, different ethnicities, different faith sort of upbringings and all of that, but all coming together and just learning great stuff from one another from each person's different um, you know, perspective on things and how they're approaching the word and how they're learning from it and growing from it and praying through each other's needs. Really, really special time. Uh, so just encourage you with that. Go make sure you go check that out as we can experience God's grace together. Because life groups, that community, that team, people, all that is something that we value very much. And we are in this series, second week of this series, all about what we value. And even like a, a big part of our uh, purpose statement, our vision statement talks about being a family, being a community, that we are better together, that we connect with God and one another. So all of that kind of group connection, that community, it's all not found in a setting like this typically. So we have to really get into circles rather than rows, get into smaller church communities, even when we're part of a larger church community. And so we want to encourage that in all of us. We value that. And last week we talked about how we value truth. And then now today we are on that we value grace. And we do, but truth and grace are so connected in this way that they are like all these things, all these, we're going to do 12 values as we talk through all these values. They're all core, they're all important, but I really believe that these first two are foundational in this way. Truth and grace. And so hopefully you've got that journal. If you didn't grab one on the way in or you just forgot it, just feel free to grab another one if you need to. But we've got those journals in the back that you can take notes on and learn more from. We even kind of re-kicked back into gear the podcast uh, just even this last week. We put one out all about this value of truth. And we'll be going through these different ones, just talking a little bit more deeply about that. Uh, so encourage you with that. But as we talk about grace, I wanted to read a beautiful poem all about grace. And it says this, Grace, she takes the blame. She covers the shame, removes the stain. It could be her name. Grace, it's the name for a girl. It's also a thought that changed the world. Because grace makes beauty out of ugly things. Grace finds goodness in everything. So like, I love that, that grace takes the blame, removes the stain, covers the shame. A great poem by Bono, the wonderful poet of the greatest band in the world, you too. So hopefully that ministered to your heart. Uh, but as he sings about, literally about the grace of God. But we want to dig into grace because that really is what grace is about. Uh, and grace is the gospel the gospel is grace that we are, as we talk about the good news and what that is, this is the gospel. And we know that grace and truth, as we talked about last week, grace and truth are found in Jesus and in Jesus alone. So this verse I want us to look at that talks about that. It says, for of his fullness we have all received. 
John 1 is speaking about Jesus in this kind of, an, again, poetic way as you read John 1 speaking about Jesus as God himself, that he, was, he is in the beginning, he was with God in the beginning, he is God, he's created all things. We're like learning so much about who Jesus is and then here, for of Jesus' fullness we've all received and grace upon grace. That Jesus gives us grace and then he layers more grace on top of it, right? Just grace upon grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. So we learn in the, in the Torah, I've just even in my own time of Bible reading, I just finished actually this morning the book of Exodus. Been reading the beginnings of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, and it goes on, Leviticus, and it goes on into Numbers and Deuteronomy. And all of that has, is all called the Torah, the law. It's the law. It's the, it's the rules and regulations, right? This is what you have to do to save yourself, is follow every single one of these laws perfectly. And so it says the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth were realized through Jesus. As we realize that we cannot keep the entire law, but Jesus has come the sovereignty of God, that God himself came to live that perfect life that none of us could live. And then he died upon the cross and he rose again on the third day. And grace and truth are realized through him. And so as we want to see, like understand grace and even to understand truth in, within these first two things. Grace and truth are found and realized through Jesus alone. And, and then even the very next verse we think about understanding God, knowing God. It says, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. All right, so we want to know what God's like. We want to know how does God work. Well, we just look at Jesus. Jesus is who this is referring to, the only begotten God who's in the bosom of the Father. Jesus, when we look at his life on earth, the way that he lived, we see God. We see a picture and vision of who God is. And so I, I want us to be able to look into Jesus. We want to understand grace. Look at the life of Jesus as we speak again that we value grace. Now, um, within this, I want us to understand that grace and truth, they're not in opposition to each other. I think a lot of times we think of grace and truth in opposition, opposition to each other. You can either be a person that speaks truth and speaks it firmly and boldly, or you can be a person that's gracious and loving. Right? Like, but we don't, sometimes we think that these are like magnets, right? Like the magnet thing where you try to put them together and it's like, feel like invisible force field. But whatever's happening there is they, they can't meet up. But no, grace and truth are ultimately connected, intimately connected together. That grace should lead us to truth and truth should lead us to grace. The more we understand the truth of God and of his word, that should lead us towards people that both know and experience and express the grace of God. So I want us to consider that for ourselves of, am I a person that thinks like, I'm a, I'm a person of truth and I'm going to pound the table with the Bible, right? And I'm going to pound that down people's throats. Or I feel like God is doing that to me. Like maybe like we need to be firm in truth, but we need to also recognize that we should equally be firm on grace. The grace of God expressed. And we'll talk more about exactly what that means in a moment. But our, our life can literally be changed 
by just the gospel. Because the gospel isn't just a thought or an idea or a concept. The gospel is Jesus. The gospel is a person. The gospel is Jesus. And so I want us to understand that. And I want us to, to know that. You're not saved by the gospel. You're saved by Jesus. It is the, the story of Jesus is the gospel. And so Jesus is everything in this. I want you to watch this little uh, a clip of this uh, sermon by Alistair Begg, which has just a great way, and the accent helps, of just a great way of understanding uh, what, what I mean when we say this. So check this out. Without the preaching of the cross, without preaching the cross to ourselves all day and every day, we will very, very quickly revert to faith plus works as the ground of our salvation. So that to go to the old uh, Fort Lauderdale question, if you were to die tonight and, and, and you were getting entry into heaven, what would you say? If you answer that, and if I answer it in the first person, we've immediately gone wrong. Because I, because I believed, because I have faith, because I am this, because I am continuing. Loved ones, the only proper answer is in the third person, because he, because he. Think about the thief on the cross. And what an immense, I can't, I, I can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him, how did that shake out for you? Because you were, you were, you were, you were cussing the guy out with your friend, You've never been in a Bible study. You never got baptized. You, never, you didn't know a thing about church membership. And, and, yet, and yet, you made it. You made it. How did you make it? That's what the angel must have said. You know, like, what are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What, what do you mean you don't know? Well, because like, I don't know. Well, you know, we, uh, did you, <laughs> Excuse me, let me get my supervisor. They go get the supervisor ranger. So we have just a few questions for you. First of all, are you, are, you, are, you, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? The guy said, I never heard of it in my life. And, and what about, let's just go to the doctrine of scripture immediately. This guy's just staring. And eventually in frustration, he says, on, on what basis are you here? And he said, the man on the middle cross said, I can come. Now, now, that's the, that is the only answer. That is the only answer. And if I don't preach... The Amen, right? We are saved by grace, not by our good works. It kind of gets me, you know? It's just like, it's, it's beautiful. The message of the gospel is beautiful. The message of grace is a beautiful, beautiful message. Because the man on the middle cross said I could come. And that's the only answer for him. And it's the only answer for you. It's the only answer for me. It's all about Jesus. We're saved by grace. And I certainly am glad that we don't have a panel of people sitting behind me when I preach. Because that's weird. I don't understand it. Because <laughs> a couple of them, I don't know if they got the message yet. You know, it's still sinking in a little bit. 
like the joy of the Lord's in their heart, not their face. But we, we hope for the joy of the Lord to get into all of our being. So we are saved by grace, not by our good works. And that is from this classic passage of scripture that if you don't have memorized, I encourage you to spend some time and get this ingrained into your heart. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one can boast. That's it. That's the message. You have been saved by grace. You are saved by grace. And so what in the world is grace, okay? Grace, a few of these definitions of this word grace. Unmerited favor. You've been given favor that there was nothing that you have done that was of any merit to earn that favor. Undeserved mercy. You have been given mercy for something you have done that you did not deserve to have mercy. What you and I deserved was condemnation and judgment. And what Jesus has given us is mercy. That's grace, a mercy we don't deserve. Maybe you could get given mercy because you, you, sort of, you did your time, right? Then you're let out of jail. You did your time, you're let out of jail. You've been given mercy to be allowed out. That's deserved mercy. We're given undeserved mercy, mercy that we never earned or paid for in any way. It is a free gift, as it says in this passage. It is the gift of God. And what I want us to understand about, um, about grace as a free gift is that grace is actually not a free gift. Grace is absolutely not free, but it's free for you. It's free for the recipient. It's free for the one that gets to receive that gift, but it comes with a great cost, a high cost. Dietrich Bonhoeffer actually speaks of this, that we can cheapen grace when we take it for granted or when we don't let it change us in some way or we don't understand that there actually is a cost. Grace is costly, but it was all paid for by Jesus. Jesus, who recognized the cost even in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane as he cried out to God, Lord, take this cup from me, yet not my will, your will be done, Lord. Because he knew that he knew the cost that was coming, but he was willing to pay that price. And he paid it, and he paid it in full for you. So it's a free gift. It just, it just wasn't free for him. So recognize that as you consider the beauty of grace as it came with great, great cost. But it is, we are saved by grace, it says, then through faith. So we are saved by God, by God's grace. We're saved by faith that we have some part in, but it's God-given as well. It's a God-given faith that we would be able to have. And then this belief and trust that we have is our faith that we are expressing through this power of God and the God-given uh, gift even of faith. Now the crazy part about belief and faith, even this is the straight definition of faith, and this is especially in a first century context, okay? Belief and trust with the implication that actions based on that trust will follow. 
That's what it means to have faith. Faith isn't just like a, a mental cognitive assent to something. That just, okay, I, I believe that thing exists in the universe, right? No, it is this sense that I am giving my, my trust over to it and that actions will follow. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 are what we read. You're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God, not by works. But then the very next verse, verse 10 says, for we are God's workmanship created to do good works. We're not saved by works. We're saved for works. All right? We still have to do some work. We are called to get into the business of serving God and to invest, uh, you know, to take what he has invested in us and then to put it into practice. And so I encourage all of us in that, that as we think through our faith, recognize we are only saved by grace. The works follow. The works follow out of love and out of service of him. We can really get that messed up, though. I want to read a passage of Scripture to you, and actually, I want you just to listen to it, okay? I don't want you to look it up. Just, just listen. This, this passage actually was interesting. Like, I wasn't even planning to have this as part of what we went through today, but then actually in my life group last Sunday, we, this was the passage of Scripture we went through and talked through and were kind of processing through as a group. And then on Tuesday at our staff chapel, without me knowing anything about that at all, Aaron Holm was speaking about this very passage of Scripture. And then I'm just kind of like, okay, God, you're doing something here. I think you want this for all of us. And this is a story that Jesus tells, okay? I want you to listen to it, take it in, hear it for yourself. It says, Jesus also told this parable, this story with a lesson. Okay. Jesus told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Okay? So Jesus tells this story to them. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, a religious leader of the day, and the other a tax collector. They're despised by everyone. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. So this religious leader standing up there just thinking, ah, I'm doing all the right things. I'm avoiding all the bad stuff. I have got it together. God, aren't you lucky to have me on your team? I'm so glad I'm not like all these other bad people, especially this guy over here, right? Then verse 13 says, But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me. The sinner. I imagine him, God, have mercy on me. Mercy, Lord, I'm just a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. You want to know how to respond to God when you are confronted with the truth of who he is. 
When God says, here's the truth of me, here's the truth of Jesus, here's the truth of what, what you are called to, for by grace you've been saved through faith. Confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. It's not like, God, I did all this good stuff for you. I helped these people that were struggling. I, I helped the poor. I, I gave my gifts at church. I, I went every single week. I read your Bible every day. I did all this stuff for you, God. No, it doesn't matter. It matters eventually. It doesn't matter now for this, okay? But it's, have mercy on me, God. I'm a sinner. I can't even look. I can't even look, God. You are so good, and I... I know who I am, who I am without you. That's our response. And so I pray that that would minister to you and have you understand his grace, his mercy in your life. That's what he wants to give it to you. And because it had such great cost, it shows you that the, the one that gave you the gift, they're so excited to give you the gift, Right? Imagine the gift that you buy someone that you, you go and you spend a good amount of money. You do a bunch of research to know what they want and what's the right thing and the best thing for them. And you go and that great cost to yourself, you give them that gift. You're not sitting there going like, huh, you better open my gift, sinner, you know, or whatever. No, you're pumped. You're excited. I think God is in heaven excited for us to receive and open that gift. That's why we hear that there's a celebration of the angels in heaven every time one person repents because God is excited to give you that gift. So that's the heart of God and his mercy to you. And so we have that beautiful picture of what, how we should respond. And then we recognize that our lives are completely changed by grace. All of our lives, our salvation, and then the rest of it too. This verse is so beautiful. I love this, Colossians 1.6. It says, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. <laughs> this gospel, this good news of grace that you have, it's going out all over the world. And I just imagine this is in Colossians, this little town, Colossae. It's part of like three towns that were kind of important together, but it's, it's not necessarily that great or important just in and of itself. It's kind of maybe the least important of all of them. In fact, even if you go over there, it's in the kind of west coast of Turkey. And if you go over there now, they didn't even bother digging it up. It's just a little grass hill. The other towns around it, they actually dug up, but the ruins are just still uncovered. <laughs> this, this message that came to you, oh, uncovered town that nobody cares that much about, even though you're in the Bible, this message that came to you, it's going out everywhere. It's going out all over the world, and it's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. So this message, this good news of Jesus, this good news of his grace and mercy is changing lives. And he says, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. When you heard and understood the truth about his wonderful grace, that day changed your life. 
And that message is going out all over the world and it's changing their lives and it's changing their salvation and it's changing the rest of their life as well because we are not just saved by grace, but we live by grace, right? We're not just saved by the gospel, we live by the gospel. Every day we live this out. So grace, this message of God's grace, this mercy we don't deserve, it's, it's not just the diving board for our faith, it's the entire pool. Okay? It's not just the starting line, it's the entire race. All of this matters. This, it matters for all of our life. And so we should think about, you know, we think back to our moment of salvation. Or maybe today you think ahead to the moment of salvation that could be here for you today. We think about that. Maybe today is the day that you receive this gift from God. But we think about that gift. We think about that moment. We still live every moment by that power, by that mercy that God has upon us. And I love even the way that Paul thought about it. Uh, it's not on the screen, but just Acts 20, 24. It says, But I don't consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish the course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus, to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. That Paul recognized, like, I'm it's not about me. I'm not important. What's important is this message of the grace of God. And I want to testify of that. And so his entire life, everything that he was about from that day on when he first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace, his entire life's mission then became about that. And I want us to consider that for ourselves. And I think back to my own, some of my own story, and I think of even kind of like I, I knew the truth of God, right? Like when I was growing up, I grew up in a, I grew up going to church. I went to a little Christian school. My parents were believers. I understood the truth of that. And when I was in kind of middle, middle to later years of high school, I, I began to run from that. And I began to push God out. I've like described it that I pushed God from the front of my brain to the back. Like I still believed that he was real and true, but I didn't want him to be around right now. So can you just kind of go back to the back? And I felt like in that way I was running from God. I was running from God towards the temptations that I wanted to be a part of, towards this like a lifestyle that was apart from God and far from God. And that whole time, as I was running from God, grace was running after me. God kept running after me. As I ran from him, God ran toward me. Imagine like the father in the prodigal son story, running towards his son, right? That was God. Even as I was running away, God was running after me. His grace was running after me. His grace is what captured me. His grace is what showed me that I could stop running and allowed myself to be embraced by God in full, to re realize that fullness of Christ in his full embrace. As I ran from God, he ran to me. He captured me and his grace showed me that God had more for me than a knowledge of the truth about him, but an experience of his radical grace in my life. God showed me that grace was making beauty out of ugly things. And so I want you to know that wherever you are, that God is running towards you. That God's grace is running towards you. That you can't have done too much for God to love you. This quote is so beautiful. Your worst days are never so bad that you are beyond the reach 
of God's grace. And your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need of God's grace. So you might feel right now that you are just in the depths of sin. You've been running from God. You've been pushing him away. You've been getting involved in stuff that you know is dragging you away from him. Your worst days are never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. And I've had moments where it's like then, okay, so do I feel like things are going good in my faith? And I'm, I'm feeling strong. I'm feeling confident, right? And all that. Like, okay, well, your best days are never so good that you're beyond the need for God's grace. We all need the grace of God in our life. And so I want to just even have you consider these questions. Is grace a treasure for you? Do you think about the grace of God as a beautiful treasure? Something so wonderful that you would do anything for it? Is grace good news for you? Is it still good news for you or has it become old news in some way? It's something obviously we talk about in the church a lot, right? We get back to the basics and we repeat the message of the gospel often. And maybe you sit there thinking, yeah, 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 I know. I have heard the basics. Let me get on to the more complex stuff. I want to get into that deeper stuff. And God says, is grace a treasure for you? Is it still good news for you? And to be reminded of how beautiful and wonderful the treasure of his grace is in your life. You know, we evangelize the things we love, right? We evangelize the things we love just in regular life. Whatever that is, you tell everybody about that new restaurant that you went to that you thought was amazing. You tell all your friends, you post it on social media, you, you find that workout plan or diet that works for you. You're telling everybody about it, right? You're like trying to share about how that worked for you or you know, maybe it's that little side hustle that you're trying to make money on. <laughs> you're, you're evangelizing that pretty strongly. And everybody's out there. You're, you're telling people about that thing that has been become important to you or it's your favorite band. But I think the ultimate thing you see is uh, like people on social media about their little kids, right? Uh, people love to tell you about their little kids. We post pictures. We tell everybody, like, oh, did you hear they did this? Like, you know, they pooped. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Good job. Uh, all right. But we, we do that. And you know what? You know why? I do that. I'm not making fun. I do that. Because we love them. We love them so much. We love them so much that we want to tell the world about everything they do. Right? That's great. Is grace a treasure for you that you love so much you want to tell the world about it? Like evangelism, sharing our faith, sharing the gospel, like it shouldn't just be about some sort of thing where you're like this burdensome obedience. No, it should be just telling people about the one that you love so much. I love this person so much. I can't wait to tell you. So allow the gospel of grace to become your treasure, to become the, the one that you love. Allow the way you think about evangelism or sharing your faith to be because it's, it's sharing about the one that you love that deeply. And you don't have to be perfect at any of this, okay? You don't have to be perfect at any of this. You don't have to know all the details. 
I think if you have the humility to admit to being inadequate, you could be better off than the foremost Bible scholar, uh, apologetics expert in the entire world at sharing your faith. If you have the humility to admit being inadequate, that you might not know every argument for the existence of God, but you trust God for his power. Acknowledging that you're not above people or smarter or better or more holy will help you to be a greater witness of grace. Right? A witness of grace. To be vulnerable with your doubts, be vulnerable with your struggles. The gospel is all about the fact that you're not good enough. And Jesus is the only one that can make you that way. I want that to sink deep. To sink deep, not just in your head, but in the depths of your heart. That we value grace. And so today, we're going to remember in the way that God has commanded us to, right? We're going to remember as we take communion where grace comes from. And so I want to just ask you, though, here first, before we're about to take communion, have you received the gift? Jesus is here offering you the gift of salvation, the gift of his grace, the gift of his mercy that you don't deserve. Will you receive that gift today? And that could just be talking to him in the quietness of your heart right now and just say, yes, Lord. Yeah. I do. I believe that you're God. I believe that you died and rose again, and I need your forgiveness. Just the beginnings of something simple like that. And then, as you receive communion, you'll do that as a full follower of Jesus Christ. So I encourage you to hold on to these elements. Get them. Be ready. We're going to sing this song as we consider this grace of God, that the cost of it, and just reflect on that in this time. Reflect on that Meditate upon that as we sing this song, and then I'll come up and lead us in communion together in a moment. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you. Thank you so much that you layer grace upon grace upon grace. I pray that would minister to our hearts today, God. I pray that we would understand the cost I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would be grateful. Deep, deep gratitude that's beyond any way of saying thank you, God. That we just remember with gratitude, Lord, your love for us and your willingness to pay the price needed for the free gift that we receive. Thank you for your grace, Lord. In Jesus' name.